Hello, I'm Victoria. And I'm Johnny. Welcome to Tasty Pages. A podcast for people who love cookbooks, food, and cooking. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook from our popular Cooking the Books Instagram page. We'll also discuss the dishes that we made and rank the book in a variety of categories. Including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. The conversation is always unscripted, unedited, and uncensored. Spoiler alert, Victoria likes to swear. (laughs) All of this takes place in our living room in the heart of Minneapolis. Oh yeah, we also have a featured show topic with contributions from our listeners, and we end each episode with a lame food-related joke. Usually very lame. Hey now. (laughs) Join Join us for for Tasty Tasty Pages. This week's featured cookbook is... Mumbai Modern by Amisha Gurbani. Hi, Johnny. I'm glad you said that, not me. (laughs) I would have messed it up. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I am well. We're, we're, we're getting back on track. Yeah. We're a little behind with the episodes, but you know, that's that's our way. We are, and I, I feel kind of bad. Like, I apologize to this uh, book. All our loyal it, listeners that have been waiting patiently well, for this I f- episode to drop. I feel bad because it's like less clear in our mind. Y- you know. I just had to refresh that, my memory. I know, but it's it's always better when it's fresh in your mind i i feel you so welcome to tasty pages episode 63 Whoa. a podcast from cooking the books uh if you visit our website wecookbooks.com you'll see a store tab there that will direct you to our amazon.com affiliate page and from there we've got a few different lists kitchen essentials for home cooks oh you know what i just added that uh, milk steamer that i got you for christmas oh the milk frother yeah. it's it's this great um it's this great thing that heats up milk and it froths it, and it's completely changed my coffee game. For those that don't have enough crap on their countertops already, let us uh, suggest this one to add to it. Well, <laughs> we we do not have an espresso maker. We just have a regular coffee machine. And so what I do is I will buy uh, a cold brew espresso, espresso blend, and then I'll just heat the... I know it's not the same as having, like, fresh espresso. Hey, but you know what? We've got a coffee shop, like, literally right downstairs in the main floor of our building. So if we're ever craving an espresso, we just bop down there. Well, yeah, but they're only open till 1 o'clock in the afternoon. What, who, what animal drinks espresso past 1 o'clock in the afternoon? This is true. Unless you this plan is true. on being I can't, up all night. I can't. You know, it's so funny because I used to be able to drink espresso... Like, I think it's I would, espresso. Espresso. Like I would drink so much coffee all through the day. I, I'm then sorry. I totally interrupted your milk steamer endorsement. Yeah. Quit interrupting me, you jerk. But, but back to it. Anyway, <laughs> so I will buy. <laughs> I will buy like a cold brew espresso, espresso blend, and then I'll heat it up in the microwave and. Add some uh, syrup, like flavored syrup, or just some sweetener. Froth up some almond milk. Boom! Got coffee our own little game. coffee shop. Coffee game elevated. Right in the right in the condo. And it's good we if had I had one this morning. It was great. Yes, it's good if I want to make a chai. So yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, kitchen essentials for home cooks, cookbooks. My point was, people, be sure to jump off the rails. If there. you want to show your support for the good work that we're doing here. 
uh, you can make a purchase from any of those lists. You'll get something that you want, probably something you're going to buy anyway, and we'll get a little something in return. Best of all, it's not going to cost you anything more. And uh, I'd say that's a win-win. That's a definition of win-win. Sure. All right. <laughs> um, boy, I was just thinking like in there was one week, like a, a week or so ago, where we went roller skating mm-hmm. one night. That was mm-hmm. a blast. Mm-hmm. Um, it always is. Yeah. We've gone a few times since moving back to Minneapolis. We went to a Lady Gaga drag brunch. Oh, it was so fun. That was a blast. It was so fun. Way to keep the marriage interesting and, and, and alive. Right. You know? And I had a great lip sync moment with with you one of the did. performers. I know. And I'm so mad that you didn't video it. But Are you really? No. No, you're not. I, we're not really one of those people that take pictures of every. I wish we were. <laughs> well, we are one of those people that take pictures of all of our dinners, <laughs> as yeah, you well, see on the social media. <laughs> but, like, I, you know, like in our everyday life, like, we don't take video or, like, just when, when we're out doing fun stuff together pictures. as a couple, we're not thinking of how, how it's going to look on the Instagram. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, I, I, I think we're too old for that. I'm just not, I, I'm not like, oh, we're going to post this to Facebook. Occasionally yeah. we'll take like a photo before we we go out if we're looking cute our, or our, we do our, the our elevator, elevator selfies, selfies on, which has the worst lighting yeah, ever. It's, it's a popular uh, feature <laughs> on our Facebook though, if you're friends with us. Um, but, but yeah, it was, I was just randomly thinking about that because both, both things were kind of fun. We kind of went to them in the same week. Mm-hmm. It, was, uh, it was a fun little thing for us old people that have been married <laughs> forever. <laughs> Never a dull moment in our household. Although I have to say, uh, they are um, they're replacing the carpet that is probably the carpet that was there when I was a kid and I used to go there. Yep, the OG carpet. Yes. Don't that, you think it's time though? Absolutely. But that the new carpet... How much so, RC cola do you think has been spilled on that carpet? How many times do you think it's been vomited on? <laughs> um, the new carpet is so awkward and hard to like. It's like skating on sand. Oh my! <laughs> I get up there, I'm like, whoa! Uh, but yeah, you know. And can I just say, it is amazing how many people that are our age or older. Well, I told you, like, there's some there's some gentlemen there that are probably my age or older, as you said, mm-hmm. and they look just like, you know, normal dudes that probably work in an office during the week or, you know, maybe do some some outside sales or some importing, exporting, something like that. Sure. And uh, I just have this fantasy in my head that they're like these secret roller skaters. Like, they, they probably grew up going to a roller rink mm-hmm. and, and developed the skills that they have because they're all really good they like, are like, so good you know, they got moves i'm amazed and by like how funky they are i'm just yeah. like whoa they, yeah, and they, everyone is super super nice good too. yeah it's so great but, uh you know so i i just have in my mind that you know these guys go to their office gig and they're nine to five and then uh no one knows their secret and then they and then the like evening comes around and they head to the roller rink and they the, and bust just, loose and yep. can be who they really want to be yep. i love how we always assign these these narratives to oh, yeah. people these stories you just kind of guess their backstory <laughs> uh oh hey should we talk about I, i'm kind of conflicted about this should we talk about oh, the pam and tommy no. thing on hulu uh, we don't have to we were kind of reluctant to watch it 
Yeah. We're a few episodes in. Well. That second episode I can't unsee. So watch with caution. I don't want to <laughs> give away any spoilers. <laughs> the, the special the special effects and animatronics really do oh, all the heavy the lifting. was... <laughs> The thing, okay, it's it's they, really. They took a lot of liberties with the truth, I would say. Probably yes. Well, well I know for a fact they did. <laughs> um, I feel very conflicted, conflicted watching it because it's directed by a woman, but Pamela Anderson did not co-sign it in any Nor way. Nor did Tommy Lee. So the two people that are the main characters right. did not have any involvement in the show but and do not benefit in any way from the show. Oh, but I know I've been reading that she feels like re-traumatized by the I'm, whole thing I'm, again, you know? I'm, I'm sure, sure people forgot, you know, at this point it was like a footnote in history, you know, but they were like, they were the original sex tape, so celebrity sex tape. Yeah. Um. Well, it was this, it, it, and I don't, I don't want to. This sounds weird saying it, and I don't mean it to sound this way. But like, it was this perfect storm of the internet was still in its infancy. Adult entertainment, if you want to call it that, was kind of transitioning from theaters, where it was traditionally, you know, like the CD movie yep. theater, to home home video. Yes. Um, and then um, you had these two people that were like huge celebrities at the time. And then you introduce like that whole um, kind of celebrity culture paparazzi thing, which has become so ubiquitous now because yeah. it was also the beginning, you know, like now all of that stuff is so prevalent online. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. So it was just like this weird convergence of all these things and unfortunately they were like the victims in it and um yeah i don't know <laughs> this is this is taking a really weird turn right <laughs> i thought i was gonna hear about cookbooks <laughs> and they're talking about porn oh man uh well, what else do we got going on let's let's talk about uh, what we just finished okay uh we just finished love and lemons every day uh by janine d'onofrio um, we're kind of, I mean, we're kind of continuing with the plant-based uh, diet, which we started in January, and we really haven't strayed from too much. I mean, we're not really strict about it because, like tonight, for instance, we're well, having. T- I think tonight is actually the first time that I'm, I'm cooking m- meat, really, because we had a couple chicken. Br- we're doing a pantry meal, um, mm-hmm. so I had a couple. Um, split chicken breasts and I don't oh why did we get chicken breasts oh we got them because we were going to use them for a chicken broth but we did not need them. glad I could help you answer that question <laughs> <laughs> but why and, did we get those oh it's because <laughs> steel trap baby I love it I love it um because but, but nor- I wouldn't have been able to give you the answer but normally we we don't buy chicken breasts because why um yeah. So we wanted to use them up. Let's let's say oh, laundry's done. Yeah. Um. Don't know if you guys can hear the the buzzer. It'll probably buzz like seventeen more times. I think there'll too. be some more buzzers too. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty bossy uh, washing machine. Um, but we wanted to use it up so it doesn't get all gross and freezer burn. Uh, so I'm going to do 
I don't know. We've got some potatoes hanging out, so I'll probably do like uh, one pot meal with like some chicken, onions, potatoes, maybe a little bit of lemon. You're gonna improvise. Olive, some olive. We've got those olives in there that we can use up. We're just gonna jam, man. We're gonna and see jam. what happens. We're gonna riff. Yeah, see what <laughs> happens. And then for uh, dessert, I made a vegan chocolate pudding. It'll be delicious. Oh, I made preserved lemons yesterday. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say on that. (laughs) (laughs) And this time, rather than doing orange, I did an espresso. Because last time I did like an orange, chocolate orange, and this one is like a chocolate espresso. It's a mocha, if you will. We've got an exciting thing coming up Thursday. (gasps) I'm so excited. All right. so uh, Hottest reservation in town. Yep. Uh, So this is Awamni. A restaurant that opened a little while ago. Um, It's been getting lots of accolades, including one of Esquire's best restaurants of 2021 and Chef of the Year for uh, Chef Sean Sherman. Uh, He, along with his partner Dana Thompson, have opened this Awamni. And uh, how would you describe it? Um, It's fancy indigenous food. Yeah. Um, They do a they do a fixed price. menu and there's i think there's like for there it's four courses for each course um for each course you get like i think four choices one of them is always vegan or vegetarian we Um, won't be enjoying any of that no i'm we're getting our money's worth (laughs) we're eating some expensive meat i'm gonna eat the bison and squab and everything else but uh, yeah i mean this was a tough reservation Although I will say they they go through uh, an app, Resi, just uh-huh. like many restaurants do for their reservations, and you can sign up to be notified for when things open up. And I'm sure a, a restaurant like this that books, you know, two, three months in advance, they have lots of cancellations for whatever reasons. People just make reservations and then, you know, figure out that they can't make it so uh we got notified and i i jumped on the email the minute it came through and so i guess that's a little that's that's johnny's hot take it was it was funny because i was sitting on the couch editing photos and listening to a podcast and johnny walks out and he's like thursday night and i was like you got a reservation and i cannot wait to eat there i mean this is exciting for us because we don't dine out Super often, obviously, no. because of what we do, and we we are pretty avid home cooks, and we do that most nights, and so this is kind of a treat for us, and especially something that's kind of more fancy and high end. We get to dress up. I'm um, right. Take a shower, <laughs> As if you don't shower every day. <laughs> also, speaking of dining out, wow, we sound like we're really crazy avid uh, restaurant goers. We went to a really great happy hour. Oh, yeah. At uh, this place called Barbette. Been there for many years in Minneapolis. It used to... Classic French bistro. It used to be a coffee shop named Cafe Weird, W-Y-R-D. It was this coffee shop that I know you hung out at, I hung out at. We probably hung out there like at the same time. I was probably leering at you (laughs) when I was drinking my latte. Um, But it change to this bistro it's a french bistro they have this amazing happy hour where you can get all these small plates for five dollars and they have like house wines for five dollars but the real star is the menu the real star is the menu you can get um 
mussels, frites, olives. And it was a generous portion of chicken, mussels And for $5. chicken pate. Also, I have discovered that I no longer hate mussels. Okay, so mussels are a dish that Victoria makes very well. And there have been a few different occasions where we've had people over for dinner and Victoria will cook them, but not eat them. Yes. It was always a texture issue for me. Okay. But you have a banging mussels recipe that's kind of like your go-to preparation for them. I actually you, have two because I, I've cooked them at two different restaurants. Kudos to you for you know revisiting it and saying like, I'm, I'm going to revisit it and see what I think. You've, you've done that with a few different mm-hmm. things. The salmon being another one. You know, uh, uh, what what was the other one? Like the pickled, oh, the the pickled herring. No. And you're like, and no. You're like nope, still yeah, don't I like did, it. Yeah, I oh. tried it again and I was like, no, I don't like this yeah. at all. But you know, two out of three. I mean, you I'm like willing salmon, to try, like you know, I'm willing to try something again. Yeah. So why not? It, I, I just think it's sad to just kind of write something off forever. Let that be a lesson to all of yes, us. Yes. If you think you don't like something, try it again. Even if it was prepared really great the first time, try it again because yep. maybe your tastes have changed. You never know. Uh, show topic. Show topic. All right. So this show topic is uh, we got a few responses. For those who work or have worked in the food industry, what's the best job you've had and the worst? See, here's the thing. I wish I feel like um, a lot of people don't consider like high school fast food jobs, the food industry. And that's my only frame of reference. Right? Yeah. Um, I mean, ugh, terrible, but yeah, so, so we, many we people did limited it. Limited response. The responses we got were great though, mm-hmm. but it was just, uh, I was hoping for more, but I still decided to forge ahead with it because I know that you and I are both going to have some, some fun answers. Mm-hmm. So without further ado, you want to read the first one? Wisma Caroline. At Wisma Caroline said, uh, best job was at a beachside ice cream kiosk when I was 19. As much ice cream as I could eat. Worst job was clearing table at a Lewisham Hospital staff canteen. Yeah, that doesn't sound like fun. You're dealing with jerk doctors, overworked nurses, and and um, poor people who have their loved ones in the hospital. Yeah. I can't imagine. Not poor financially. Just no, poor, poor like, like, oh. You know, sad. That sucks to be yes. you. Yeah. Let's make that clear. Yeah. We're not discriminating against poor. We're not poor shaming people. No. Uh, cooking in Minneapolis said best was bartending in a pub. Mm-hmm. Hey, of course. Right. Worst at a Starbucks inside a Target. She said soul sucking and the meanest customers. <laughs> I'm sorry. That sucks. Isn't that always the case? Right? Um, All right, I'll let you read the next one. Okay. Grace Lane Smith Art uh, said, so we are just going to the worst. There is no best. Maybe the sour. Well, I think this was, the way I read it was this is kind of the best, best and the worst. Best and worst. worst. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I kind, of, I kind of have that too. Yeah. Uh, I had a boss who hit on all the young female staff. He demanded hugs. Oof. Oh, God. Mm. Uh, it was really not a safe power dynamic. At the same time, the head chef, the sous chef, and the dishwasher were all very kind. Uh, the head chef made the best food, and they always made sure I sat and ate a full proper meal during my shifts. 
I never forgot their kindness. See, there is, you know, like even in the worst of jobs, there can be some light. Raise the sunshine. Yeah. But I lost my job there by speaking up for the female staff about the inappropriate behavior. I just stopped getting shifts. So they ghosted her for mm-hmm. standing up for herself. Uh, I'm sure there are plenty of similar stories in waitress in the waitressing world. Uh, you ask great questions. All right. Sorry that happened to you, Grace. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of a bummer of an episode. It is. Wait till I come up with my answer, though. I'll turn the ship around. Uh, okay. I, my food service experience is admittedly limited. Um, I did it when I was a teenager, and that was about the extent of it, and then I just moved on to other things. However, my first uh, like real job when I was 16 was at a Chuck E. Cheese here in Minnesota. Um, <laughs> it was one of the few jobs I could get. I had a friend that worked there. They had this... Um, kind of uh, like weekend, late night, teen, nightclub thing that was like attached to it. I, th- I don't think it, was, think it was attached. It was just like one of those things where like like in New York where they just turn this club into like some other I'm pretty thing sure I night. went to that too. Yeah, it was when I, like widgets or something. It, yes, I've yeah. been there. Yeah, and, right? I used to, and I used to sneak alcohol in my purse in a hairspray bottle. You and me both. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> You know, I was probably like checking coats or I probably checked your coat back back in the day. Probably. Ne- you know, we grew up a couple towns away and, you know, I, I checked your coat at Widget. <laughs> Little did I know you'd, you'd go on to become my wife. We've crossed paths. So like, oh, like yeah. we've crossed paths so many times. So my point was <laughs> <laughs> my promising career at Chuck E. Cheese came to an abrupt end when I took one of those skee-ball prize stuffed animals and I put it in the microwave. It was a little, you know, thing about the size of... A polyester, furry, (laughs) horrible thing. Made by 12-year-olds in some foreign Mm -hmm. land. And I put it in the microwave. But why? I thought it was funny. I was a dumb 16-year-old kid. What did I know? Okay. So it quickly filled up the kitchen and... The adjoining dining room with this toxic green. It was like this really cool green, like neon green smoke that was like pouring out of the microwave. Probably like when the Wicked Witch of the West. exactly. (laughs) And everyone in the kitchen and dining room started coughing and, and, you know, wondering what was going on. And uh, sadly, the the manager, who was probably like 18, called me into the office and... um, as he was laughing hysterically, was like, oh, that was pretty funny, but uh, I'm going to have to let you go. And so I got fired. And, and I, I didn't disagree with him. Okay. I, I understood. Um, I also had to wear those uh, Chuck E. Cheese costumes with the big fiberglass head <gasps> that you know every 16-year-old going back like a few decades had to wear. So they were like... Did it incredible. smell like your oh, hockey bag? It was it was disgusting. Ugh. And and the solution was to like sprinkle talcum powder inside there as if that was going to make them smell. Less. It just made your hair white. Nowadays it was, it was they just terrible. spray it with Febreze oh, it or Lysol or something. So that that was that was worst. And then I guess the best if we're just talking like not necessarily restaurant work but just like food service stuff was um teaching classes at Fearless Cooking in okay. Chicago with you. Which we did right prior to the pandemic and everything closing up. But we had a weekly cookbook class 
where people would, you know, make reservations and we'd feature a different cookbook. We did a Nick Sharma one. We did a cast iron cooking one, I believe. We did an Otolenghi, I yeah. think. There was, there was a that, was we re- were, that was really fun. It, it was a newly opened uh, shop. They were kind of getting up and running. We were kind of getting up and running with this whole thing with cooking the books. So it was like a really good fit. And we met some really cool people every week. I remember being so nervous for that because I'm not a good public speaker, but it became very easy because I like and it was it's so what I do. Like and there were people that showed up and we taught them some new tricks and tips. Yeah. And, and everyone like really wanted to learn. And it, it, I agree with you. That was super, super fun. And the, and the evening ended with us kind of enjoying a meal that mm-hmm. we all kind of helped prepare and, and, you know, people could buy the book at the at the shop if if they were so inclined, and hopefully they walked away with some new uh, some new knowledge. Yeah. So. Well, and it was great to see like people signing like people signing up for multiple classes, and you know, having all these familiar faces, and yeah. What about you? Okay, you've got more extensive experience in this, so I'm I'm curious to hear your answers. Okay, so my worst was that I worked at Dairy Queen when I I was in my junior year. It was the summer of my it was summer of my junior year of high school. The people that I worked with were really cool except I had okay, the owner was a total dickhead and he would come in and like start barking orders and at one point he came in and he's like the floor is dirty and he threw down a an entire like mop bucket of soapy water and I fell down. This is just one story of how terrible he was. Wow. I fell down and then he yelled at me for falling down. Yeah. And one of our managers, she was a raging bulimic, which I'm I'm not making any judgments on her because I was a raging bulimic at the time, which was a pro for working there. Um, but she was she was so mean and so moody and she would disappear in the bathroom for an hour at a time. There were some good things about, okay, number one, the customers were terrible. People get really, really... They get passionate about their ice cream. They get serious about their soft serve. Every night, as soon as you would clean the blizzard machine, someone would come in like 30 seconds to close wanting a blizzard. Of course. Um, what else? I hated cleaning the ice cream machines. Now, did you work at a Dairy Queen brazier where they also I did, had the hot I did, dogs I did. Grill at the time, it was a very limited menu. There were hot dogs. There was, <laughs> it, was <laughs> it was called a loose meat sandwich. Well, that sounds appetizing. <laughs> so a lot of those, did you? Basically, it was like this bag of like barbecued meat that you would put dump out and put like in a warming station um nothing but the best nothing but the best but one of the really a couple of the fun things that i loved about working there was i loved making ice cream cakes and also i would make up i would take like large blizzard cups and i would make giant buster bars for myself 
and making and also making any kind of blizzard that I wanted to. Oh, yeah. You could really go. Do you ever make a loose meat blizzard? No, I didn't. <laughs> oh, man. And at the time I was at the time I was a vegetarian, too. So like working with a hot dog and the loose meat just <laughs> <laughs> it's so grossed me out. And uh, but for the most part, the people that I that I worked there with were really fucking fun. I'm friends with some of them on Facebook still. Uh, are they still at the DQ? They are still not at the DQ. Okay. It's kind of hard to choose the best. I'm going to say there was this coffee bar that I worked at when I, when I was going to school in St. Cloud. It was called Java Z. Java Z. Mm-hmm. All right. It was a coffee bar. It was in a old uh, car repair garage. Um, Basically, you could drink all the coffee you wanted when we would close, like we would close up. My friends would come in. Do your front end aligned while you're drinking coffee? No front end aligned. Oh, man. You could listen to whatever music you wanted. We would close up. My friends would come in. We'd get really stoned. Was that um, an off-menu item? Yes. Okay. Um, also, checking. I would go there with my friends before class. We'd go get stoned. Basically, I got stoned a lot there. As you do. Um, and I met some really great people working there. I can't recall that I've uh, that I ever met a boss that worked there. I don't even think I ever met a like I don't know who managed the place. Oh. So secret. It, it was so fun. <laughs> it was like a tax haven or money laundering situation or and it, it it was like my first coffee shop job ever nice and it began and my look, like you, you learned these valuable latte making skills I that did. you uh, utilize to this day i had many coffee shop jobs after that and it was just a lot of like drinking coffee hanging out doing homework getting stoned we would have like people come in and play music do open mics so i mean but i've had other jobs that have had really good aspects and then really shitty aspects. I can't really be like, that's the best because yeah. they're equally shitty and bad. I feel you. So, I mean, aside from Chuck E. Cheese, Godfather's Pizza was really the... I, I was in the... I, was I in always... The, I was in the pizza business. I always hear your Godfather's pizza, your Godfather stories. Yeah. I mean, it was a pretty unremarkable job. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I didn't love it when I was working Friday nights while the football game was going on at my high school. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and everyone would come in after the game, and there's Johnny smelling like pizza, there making was, pizza, and they're, they're all having fun out in the dining room making a mess for me to clean up. Oh, my God. There was a Godfather's by our by my high school, too, yeah. and, and that's where everyone would go. My yep. God, though, Godfather's had the best fucking pizza. I, yep. would, I, would get, I, think, I think I would give my arm... Whoa. For a Godfather's pizza. And then uh, if I was lucky enough to get invited to some like, you know, high school party. You'd go reeking go like there, yeah, pizza. Like, what was like garlic and pizza? Garlic and, and tomato. Yep. It was Johnny. <laughs> and that, that basically sums up my teenage years. All right, so we, we we should probably jump into this book. Oh my God, how long have we been going? Oh, uh, too long. <laughs> All right, so uh, Mumbai Modern. The subtitle of this book is Vegetarian Recipes Inspired by Indian Roots 
and California cuisine. So it's kind of dual influences. This was a perfect book for us as we uh, made our journey through a dry January, uh, both alcohol-free and meat-free. Oh, God, we're so behind. It's okay. We'll catch up. Uh, many of the recipes were inspired by the author's roots in, uh, is it Gu- Gujarat? Mm-hmm. which was a state along India's western coast, but also her adopted home of Northern California. Um, so it features a lot of fresh seasonal produce with an emphasis on pantry ingredients and fragrant spices. Um, oh. Anything else to say about that? Okay, so here's the thing. This was a book that... A lot of the books that we featured get sent to us. And we don't really feel any pressure to feature a book. But we, we pick and choose what appeals we to do, us. We Make do. We do. No apologies for that. Um, this book came with a bunch of really lovely stuff. She has this thing called. Um, yeah. So most of the time we'll just get a cookbook in the mm-hmm. mail, but this came with kind of a full care package. It had a couple of different jams: a strawberry hibiscus jam and an apricot saffron jam uh, from her company, Jam Lab. They were. Amazing, And the recipes are actually in the book. Yes. And I have to say, I am not a fan of saffron. I love the apricot saffron jam. The saffron in this apricot jam is super restrained and it's delicious. Mm-hmm. It is it, like it's barely there. It's so good. Um, it also had some dried figs. Um, there were a couple of spice blends from Spicewala, a garam masala and a chat masala. Uh, there was some almond flour from uh, Bob's Red Mill, and there was um, some chocolate from Falorna. Never let it be said that Johnny and Victoria are above bribery to... Uh, no, we were not <laughs> bribed to do this. We looked through the book and we were like, hey, this is great. It's vegetarian. No, that is true. It was a very appealing book. Uh, do you want to talk about the dishes we made? Yes. Give Here. us a rundown. Uh, we'll circle back and talk in detail about them. All right. So first was a winter citrus roasted beet salad. Uh, then there was Brussels sprouts, dates, walnuts, and pomegranate seeds. Next was batak nu shak, which is a potato curry. Then there was nectarine, star anise, ginger shrub, and a vegetable pilau. Yeah. Let's talk about this winter citrus and roasted beet salad. It may come as a surprise to some of you that... Winter is actually citrus season, mm-hmm. so this was the perfect timing to try out some of these recipes. And even like in the regular, gro- like our grocery store, our regular chain grocery store, they have good stuff like car oranges and blood oranges. Um, I feel like we've been leaning into the blood oranges lately for both cocktails and dishes. Absolutely, yeah. We use caracara. Uh, navel oranges, blood oranges, and I believe we used a grapefruit sure, why as not? well. And I know, like, I really wanted to use golden beets because more and more I'm disliking regular beets. They ta- they start tasting more. They're like they're they taste like dirt they're, to me they're now. Earthy, if we're being kind. Yeah. Or that dirt, is, <laughs> as Victoria said. So I really do prefer golden beets, but we could not find them anywhere. Not to mention that that just means I have to put on an apron. Otherwise, I'll, yeah, I'll they're just a little messy. Wearing the beet juice all over. And when you're plating, you have to be like, dink, 
ding, ding. Like when you're plating for photography, you have to individually place them. Otherwise, everything is ruined and stained. Um, But anyway. Was that your Cardi B imitation over there? (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. No, that'd be like. (laughs) (laughs) Carry on. Uh, Anyway, so this has like the citrus, uh, beets, greens, and then it had some paneer nugs. Yeah. <laughs> this was the best part. Um, the paneer the paneer is, it's like a non-melting cheese. It's native to the Indian subcontinent. Similar if you, to halloumi. Yes. If you cannot find, although I can't imagine if you can't find paneer, you're going to be able to find halloumi. Who knows? Although panella cheese also yes. would work. Yes. Um. So the cheese was uh, coated in spices like black pepper, garam masala, some cumin seeds, and then it gets coated in panko breadcrumbs, which I feel like panko is so superior to regular breadcrumbs. Agreed. Because they're so much more textural. Yes. Um, and they get fried. Although I feel like towards the end of the frying for these... Because you fried them. Mm-hmm. They started falling apart. A little bit. The first ones were gorgeous. And then towards the end, they were just kind of like, bleh. <laughs> then it gets some pistachios. Uh, there's a orange fennel seed vinaigrette. I mean, visually, this dish was It was gorgeous. beautiful. Yeah. And I think we had this with some flatbread. We had just about every dish in this book <laughs> of flatbread. So, you know, just a, just a heads up. We cut out the meat and we added the carbs. Yes. We <laughs> lots of flat, flatbread. Uh, man, that sounds really good right now. I'd like to have some, but alas, we have non. Nah, <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, man. Whoa. Always thinking of comedic the comedy genius. Yep. All right. Uh, anything else to say on that? Um. No, it was delicious. I think, uh, like, for everything, the vinaigrette, we added a little bit less oil than, per what, usual. Is, than what is called for in the recipe. Next um, up, we had Brussels sprouts, dates, walnuts, and pomegranate arils, or, if you prefer, seeds. I think I think the arils are actually technically, by definition, like the sprouted seeds, like seeds that are beginning to sprout. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the, but I could be wrong. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) I don't need to fact check. I'll just wait for people to be like, you're wrong. No, but, but at at any rate, we, we just bought the seeds because that's what's readily available. I'm not about to ask the guy at the local grocery store if they have pomegranate arrows. I think I might've actually de-seeded the pomegranate for this one. Our, our dog Franklin, RIP, we love you, buddy, used to love Brussels sprouts. We called them baby cabbages, oh, and he would like gobble he, them down. I know. Whenever I would be cutting, whenever I'd be cutting them up for something, he'd always be like, mm. I mean, granted, he ate just about anything that was placed in front of him, but he really, really he, used to like cabbages a lot. Ca- he loved like cabbage sprouts. and asparagus. Yep. The recipe calls for walnuts. If you know us, you know that we're not fans. They're a little too bitter. They're bitter nuts. So we usually use like pecans instead. Mm-hmm. So per usual, that's what we used. There was a coriander cumin vinaigrette. Mm-hmm. It had a bunch of spices, um, obviously cumin cumin and coriander. And then it had zatar, smoked paprika, chili flakes, 
Um, and then there were some coarsely chopped dates for a little bit of sweetness. Another gorgeous dish. And then, the, yeah, and the pomegranate seeds, while bringing like beauty, it also had, a, it added a little bit of tartness. So you had all your flavors going there. Tart, yep. sweet. I will never turn my nose down at like a roasted, a nicely done roasted uh Brussels. Well, I feel like a lot of people that might claim they don't like Brussels sprouts may do so just because like they've not had them properly prepared. Absolutely. Because I, I grew up, you know, probably having the occasional like boiled Brussels sprout <sighs> dish, which was... It makes a whole room smell like a giant fart. <laughs> <laughs> just so texturally, gross. they're not good. But man, when you've got like some properly cooked Brussels sprouts, mm-hmm. how can you hate them? I know. Uh, let's talk this potato curry. All right. Uh, potato nushak. Um, okay. So <laughs> the recipe claims it serves four to six people. No. Wrong. <laughs> two, two people with maybe like a quarter cup left over for leftovers. I was going to say, I don't even know if we had any leftovers. <laughs> and I don't think we were like particularly hungry this night where we were just like eating more than usual. It just didn't make as much as the recipe claimed. Um... This was super good. Um, oh, so there's a spice called asafoetida, and it it's it smells disgusting if you just smell it right out it's a of pungent spice. <laughs> pungent spice. Um, it's called devil's dung. If <laughs> that's my favorite. If that gives you any indication of how it also smells, also known as stinking gum. Yeah, um, it it mellows out beautifully when you cook it. Yeah. So if you just open up the little jar and give it a whiff you'll probably be passed out you're like i'm not gonna put this in my food once you come to though uh you you definitely need to like cook it cook it it's not something that you're not do not do a little finishing (laughs) sprinkle on your dish not only will your fingers smell disgusting but but then your whole dish will be rendered inedible yeah um so this had mustard cumin seeds ginger turmeric Kashmiri powder, chili powder, uh, some curry leaves, coriander, cumin, and garam masala. It was not timid in the spice department. Absolutely not. Uh, it was a one-pot meal. Um, super easy, delicious. Uh, served it with a flatbread again. <laughs> carbs on carbs. Yep. Another thing that we did was the nectarine star anise ginger shrub. This and was perfect. You had already been leaning into the shrubs and making mm-hmm, them a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we saw this and it caught our attention and it was perfect. And for those who do not know, a shrub is, it's a fruit and or, it, well, fruit and aromatics that are macerated in sugar and then it gets introduced with some vinegar. Um, then it sits in the fridge for a couple days uh, it's it's usually like a three day process, and then you serve that with some uh, carbonated water. It's a great mocktail. It's great for when you are. Well, what I love about these is like if you do not drink alcohol, mm-hmm. they're a perfect you know thing to. It's it's still a fancy special drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you do drink alcohol, these make perfect bases for cocktails. With, yeah, yeah. So I love all around. For I everyone. I loved all the flavors in this. Um, we did not. We didn't have nectarine, so we used frozen peaches to be 
completely honest. Um, and also, the book says that you can use them, f- you know, to save the solids and use them in other applications. But I find that the solids are very, really tart. Well, I put them in a smoothie, and I was I was happy with how it turned out. Okay. And I think we were we were talking earlier too about like you could perhaps put them on like a yogurt for like a a yogurt bowl or maybe oatmeal bowl. I feel something. like it'd be better in oatmeal yeah. rather than yogurt because yogurt is already somewhat tart. Right. I mean, we didn't try it, so all right. Uh, and then garnished with mint. Anything else to say about this? It was uh, delicious. Of course it was. Yeah. Um, so our the last dish that we made was a vegetable pilau. Probably Sup- one of the more simple things we made Super easy. Book. It's yeah. like an accessorized plain rice, basically. All it needed was some cumin seeds, cardamom, cloves, which get ground up in a mortar and pestle. If you don't have one, you can buy it from our uh, Kitchen Essentials for Home Cooks list on Amazon.com. Just saying. <laughs> well, you had to shoehorn it, that in there, yep. didn't you? <clears throat> no, so, but seriously, I mean, if you if you do a lot of home cooking as we do mortar and pestle, I, I would say is like a mm-hmm. kind of an essential. You don't need a big giant one. Just, no. Just a small one, but it's good for... For taking care of those spices. Anyway, that gets add to the added to the rice when it's cooking, and then towards the end, you just toss in some frozen carrots and peas. Mm-hmm. And I know we at like I snuck in some extra frozen peas. Yeah, I mean this is definitely kind of a side dish for something. I would say. I don't know. Maybe for someone, it's a main dish. Maybe for us, it was a side dish because yeah. we had it with some roasted cauliflower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, easy, yeah. tasty. Uh, better than plain good, rice good way to good way to prepare rice yeah well before we talk about our reviews yeah i went on amazon looking for critical amazon reviews thankfully i found no one or two star reviews uh there was a three star review you want to read this one sure it's from joe d thomas okay three so out of five stars three out of five uh i think i would love the food these recipes look hard to me a lot of them were appealing, but some not so much. I would have trouble rounding up all the needed stuff. I know I'd love these if someone made them for me. And then Wait, he goes on to say, I, I bet I don't go back to it. Maybe if I feel really motivated. Joe D. Thomas sounds a little uh, He's a little wishy-washy. Yeah. But it, to his point, we'll, we'll talk about our rankings because he, he does make some valid points that I want to d- kind of dive into a little bit more. So uh, we'll get to that. Let's talk about our rankings, beginning with food photography and styling. What say you, Victoria? Okay, so I give this a 3.5. Okay. Um, a lot of the photos by were Amisha herself and another fellow named uh, Ian Bagwell. They were very simple, and I could differentiate between the two because the ones by Ian would sometimes bring in the shadows, even though there were not a lot of those. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of overhead shots at the same height, some 45-degree angles. There were some flat lay shots that had, you know, several dishes, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of them were just single dishes. Mm-hmm. Um, there were just a few backdrops. Uh, they're very neutral, like gray, blue, a linen. But I felt that that also highlighted the food. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just very simple, 
you know, uh, like a, I feel like a lot of books are very blown out photography, hands everywhere, you know. This was definitely not that, but I feel like it served the food well. Mm-hmm. But it could have been a little bit more exciting to me. It, like sure. the photos did not move me. Yeah. They were nicely done and they made the food look beautiful. Mm-hmm. But there was uh, at no, uh, I don't think there was really any photo in this book where I was like, whoa. Yeah. I think that's a perfect assessment. Of okay. This. Um, I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, as you mentioned, a lot of them are self-photographed by the author. They were obviously very styled, what you would expect from a cookbook or a good like cooking mm-hmm. blog or social media page. Um, so they make use of, you know, backdrops, props, lighting. Um, there's lots of like raw ingredients scattered mm-hmm. amongst the photos. So if, you know, the dish had garlic in it, you'd see a few garlic bulbs like sitting on the on the table uh, or garlic cloves, I should say. Um a lot of crumbs scattered about. Um, so everything was like very casual in presentation. Um, there were a few step-by-step things uh, for some of the more Yeah, I didn't I didn't like, address that. Like yeah, the baking stuff, there was some step-by-steps. Dough. Yeah. There was like mm-hmm. a step-by-step. Um, most of the recipes have an accompanying photo. So, you know, that's kind of what you want from a good cookbook is mm-hmm. that, you know, you can see the completed dish. Um, like you said, I had no complaints about it. Everything was presented in a very flattering manner. Um, but it just, it, it wasn't, it didn't like blow me away. It wasn't like you're going to look through this and be like, oh my God, the food photography was amazing. But you're not also going to look through it and be like, oh, that was kind of underwhelming. Yeah. It was, it was fine. Yeah. So solid four. Like the, yeah, like the food, like the food looked appetizing enough where you're just like, yeah, I'd buy this book. Mm-hmm. Because there are some there are some books where you look through and you're like, no, that doesn't look good. Uh-uh. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, design and layout. What'd you give it? I give it a four. Okay. There's a few things. The head notes for each recipe are very lengthy. Yes. So they. <laughs> it's usually like a half a page. Some people might enjoy that if you're a fan of kind of like reading about food as well as cooking. You might enjoy these. I feel like food bloggers do that a lot. They yes, talk a and lot. And my takeaway from it was Mr. Peterman from Seinfeld. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm looking at all these recipes and I'm like, No, you did not. This recipe reminds me of my travels to Zimbabwe as I, can't I traversed you. through the desert. My feet aching from a long day's walk. You know, that kind of stuff. Okay. There, there's a lot of storytelling that goes into Oh my into God, you're recipes. so funny. I love yes. it. Um, so it didn't bother me. It's just an observation that, you know, be prepared that, you know, there's, there's books that we work through where the head notes are like a few paragraphs where they just kind of give you the broad strokes of like what to expect from this recipe. This one's going to give you like... A childhood memory, an experience, some how kind it of, relates now. Yes. Okay. It's a lot. It's a few paragraphs at least. There are seven chapters in the book, mm-hmm. divided into all the usual suspects like breakfast, lunch, dinner, like all this mm-hmm. stuff. One thing I was kind of unsure about is like there. The first chapter is pantry refrigerator staples, mm-hmm. and then the last chapter is called accompaniments. And uh, did I say that right? I don't know. Yeah. And then snacks. 
I almost feel like they could have been combined because like there there were things in that first chapter pantry refrigerator staples um blood orange rosemary marmalade is that really an an essential pantry staple or refrigerator staple is it used that often in in the recipes i think in some of the baking things it was but or yeah a, a pear chai masala jam while delicious is it really like an essential staple? I think a lot of that stuff was used in the baking stuff. Could be. Sure. So I don't know. But I mean, if you're not a big baker, then it shouldn't, then it's not a staple. I just, if, if you're going to no, call I it. No, I totally, I agree with you. Yeah. Like if you're going to call it like kind of like staples or, or imply that this is like essential stuff, I think it should be like uh you know, from a cookbook standpoint, it's like here's my here's how I make mayonnaise. Here how here's how I make uh, this vinaigrette. Yeah, mm-hmm. but when I you, agree with you. But when you get into like a very specific, you know, marmalade or jam, I don't know that it's a staple. And I felt like they could be interchangeable. Well, I, and I get that there are sauces that like you make that are used throughout the book. Right. Like that would be a staple. That would be some. There are there are like. Sauces and chutneys that you keep in the fridge. Right. You know, um, but yeah, yeah. The the methods in the book are are very thorough, perhaps too thorough, too detailed. I mean, if if you want a very clear, concise, well, not concise. If you want a very clear, detailed instruction on how to make something walk you through the recipe this is probably your book Mm -hmm. but there are many steps involved with even some of the more simple recipes Mm -hmm. so that said i mean i like i said i gave the design layout a four i mean i guess i'd rather have them err on the side of being a little too thorough Mm -hmm. but just be forewarned that if you just want to dive into the recipe and you're a pretty confident accomplished cook you might be a little bothered by some of this stuff, like the head, the lengthy head notes and the uh, agonizingly detailed preparation methods. Yeah. All right. Yep. What'd you have? I gave it a four as well. So blotty blah, all the stuff that you said. Um, Good night, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's the title underneath the title. There's a serving size, and then there's the intro. And there's an ingredient list, which is nice because if there is more than one component, it is clearly denoted. Like there's a jam. These are the, or like there's a filling. These are the recipes for the filling. Mm-hmm. This is the, re- the, this is, these are the ingredients for the dough. Um, and it's the same way for the method. Um, I hate when, when, um, when recipes will just give a big long laundry list of ingredients, right? Like I, I really appreciate that there is the demarcation there. That I'm probably misusing that word. I think it makes it easier for the method too, because then you could say something to the effect like, you know, combine all of the dressing ingredients, mm-hmm. combine all of the relish ingredients, yes, and absolutely and filling ingredients, and then. You just glance at that ingredient list and you can kind of see, boom, I got to put all these in there. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with that. So and then also there is like pretty much every recipe I think has one. It's like a pro tip. It's like this little green highlighted box. And it's um, 
it's like variations you can use or like this will keep in the fridge for this long or you can make this this many days ahead. Very useful information, I might Absolutely. Add. Yeah. So, yeah, I gave it a four. Okay. Uh, degree of difficulty. I gave it a three. Okay. I think it really depends on the recipe. Um, mm-hmm. You will definitely need to invest in spices if you don't have an extensive pantry. Um, many of the dishes feature a lot of spices. Um, but I feel like a lot of the spices are fairly... No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm going to stop. Like, no, interu- I, mean, I, I keep I, interrupting I you. I will say like, we had no trouble because most of this stuff, including asafoetida, mm-hmm. we had it on hand. So you know, there wasn't anything that we had to procure. But I'm thinking more in terms of maybe a beginner cook or someone that has limited space. In, okay. in their yes. living yeah. situation. There's a lot of spices in here. And, you know, the the benefit of that is that all of these dishes were really flavorful and 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 you know tasted great. But the perhaps critique of that is that uh you might have to do some shopping and get this uh you know spice spice situation uh resolved. So I think some of the people might be intimidated initially when paging through the book due to, as we discussed, the lengthy head notes, the ingredient list, which, you know, to be fair, is mostly spices. But, you know, at first glance, it still looks like a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for something to make, you're like, oh, no, that looks like too much work. And the kind of painstakingly detailed methods for the preparation. So... Unlike a lot of books we work on, most of the recipes did not fit on just one page. They were like two or three pages um, and they'd have an accompanying photo and stuff. So I'm just thinking in terms of like someone who maybe picks this book up at a store and they're paging through it. If they're, like I said, like a beginning cook, they might be a little intimidated by it. But when you really dive into the actual recipes, I think it really depends on the individual recipe because there was some really easy stuff like that rice dish we made. There's a pretty extensive baking chapter. And if you deal with any of that, I mean, she's using laminated dough for crying out loud. Mm -hmm. So like it really would depend on the recipe that you're trying to make. But uh, yeah, I'll give it a solid three. Okay, so you just kind of bumped my score up a little bit. Okay. You won the Facebook argument. <laughs> what did you give it? I was giving I was gonna give it a two point five. Okay. I agree with you because I mean I said like all the stuff that we made. My notes have like all the stuff we made was pretty easy. And for us, like the spice list was no big deal. Mm-hmm. We had all the stuff on hand. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with you. Like there is and going back to the critical Amazon review from our friend, uh, who was that, Joe? Oh, his name is Joe D. Thomas. Joe D. Thomas. He made a valid point where, like, if he was just, if he received this book and then just starts paging through it, I can see how someone would, you know, they're a little intimidated and they're like, oh, I, I can't source all these spices and and ingredients and this sounds great i would you know these pictures look wonderful i'd love for someone to cook this for me but i don't want to like attempt to do this myself so i totally get that to be fair though yes a lot of the spices are like cardamom cumin ginger star anise sure but yeah okay no you're right that is stuff that not everyone has 
in their pantry. You, you got to put the hat on. Of, I know. Of, you know, because we we are pretty avid cooks. You're professionally trained. We have a, you know, even in our limited living situation here, we've got a pretty extensive pantry, and we have friends that don't cook as often. Yes. That if you were to try and make some of these recipes at their house I've we which we have done yes. and you're like do you have this do you have that yeah. oh no nope, we're gonna no go. cardamom nope nope so that's and, all I'm saying and also the the baking recipes I mean I've seen like perf- like I've seen other books where they do a laminated dough mm-hmm. and it's not nearly as expansive yeah um like I looked at the I've Kudos done to her for even featuring that in the book. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, like, I've done laminated doughs like countless times, but it, looking at the way that her recipe is written out, I'm just like, oh my god, no. Yeah. Even though I've done, it, I know how to do it. I've done it so many times, mm-hmm. but I mean, I I guess she's just being very thorough and very, you know. But that I was g- my overall impression I, from the Yeah, book. so I will give it a three as well. All right, taste? I gave it a four. Um, I thought sometimes like everything is like really overspiced and you're just like, gammon, cardamom, ginger, oh, you know, like every, like you get more spice than you do food. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't that. Uh, everything was like really satisfying. And, and I don't want to be like one of those people that are like, oh, I'm, going vegetarian but like i really didn't miss the meat so yeah and i thought all like all of this the spices were very well balanced um and there the flavors were also very well balanced there was like sweet tangy yeah not not a lot i mean there wasn't heat anywhere which you know is not, not necessarily no, you know, it's depending not, on the region of India yeah, that you're it's not referencing a factor. Right. So but yeah. Okay. I gave it a four as well. Okay. Uh I enjoyed everything we made. It was very fra- flavorful. We've we've done some books like this where I felt like the spice level was a little bit restrained. And with this one, it was not. Like I thought it was very appropriate for yeah. the dish. Not too much, not too little. So I hate. There's nothing worse than when you're working out of a book and you're like, oh, okay, let's add, let's add like a, a half teaspoon more of this, half teaspoon teaspoon well, more of that. Especially when you're dealing with a cuisine that is kind of known for being like really, you know, prominently spiced. Not not heat level necessarily, but yeah. just like very like you know fragrant and delicious and warm and like yeah okay so new segment new segment that we started a while ago food for thought it's food idioms explained Mm -hmm. we got a good one for you bring home the bacon yeah we've all heard that we've all (laughs) used that uh now this one's this one's interesting because it's got a few different possible originations you're gonna read the first one right yep okay Okay, so the fur. Okay, so there are sources that claim that the phrase originated in 1104. 1104, people. A long time ago in Essex, England. Uh, There was a local lord and a lady who dresses common folk, and they went to the local superior in the church 
called a prior. I kind of think of us as the local lord and lady of our neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, Continue. They went there for a blessing uh, for not arguing after a year of being married. Whoa. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so the prior was impressed by their devotion and he gave them a side of bacon, which is, which I guess was known as a flitch. Uh, so after, so then the Lord revealed his true identity and he gave the land to the monastery on the condition that they awarded these sides of bacon to couples who proved they were similarly devoted. Whoa. Okay. So Pretty then. Generous. Very generous, especially at the time. I'm sure a side of bacon was a hot commodity. Sure. Um, so then a regular contest That's like was like Billie start- Eilish tickets now. <laughs> so then a regular contest was started, um, and the contestants came from far and wide. Got to get the bacon. Winners oh, would got to bring home the winners bacon. Winners would bring home the bacon. <sighs> yeah, I get it. Uh, All right. the, the contest is actually called the Dunmo Flitch. Uh, and it happens every four years. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So that's one possible origination. I present to you another possible scenario, which which I kind of enjoy. So this goes back to 1906, September 3rd, to be exact. Joe Gantz, who's in the Boxing Hall of Fame. God, you're making this sound so exciting. I'm, I'm, I, I'm channeling my inner Mr. Peterman. Uh, he won the <laughs> World Lightweight Boxing Championship in an epic 42-round battle. Can you imagine 42 rounds Can you imagine getting pummeled 40? <laughs> oh Still God. the longest fight in modern boxing history. The next day, a Syracuse, New York post-standard newspaper reported that Gans's mother had sent him a telegram before the fight. Which oh, my read, God. Could you calm it down a little bit, nope. babe? Joe, the eyes of the world are upon you. Everyone says you ought to win. Peter Jackson will tell me the news. Bring home the bacon. <laughs> so then other newspapers kind of picked up the story and reported it. And then there was a 1906 New York Times article where Gans replied to his mother that he not only brought home the bacon, but the gravy, too. <laughs> <laughs> So given the widespread coverage of this fight, uh, within weeks, the phrase became commonly used by sports writers. So it was kind of started off as like a sports analogy and then kind of later expanded. Beyond Everyone's like, they're the bringing home world. bacon. Yeah. So then it, then it, you know, bringing home the bacon became synonymous with winning or making money. Okay. Um, so uh, Joe Gans, he was the first African-American to win a world boxing championship. He's also in the Boxing Hall of Fame. Perhaps the greatest lightweight boxer of all time. So although she might not have invented the phrase, Gans's mother deserves credit for popularizing the phrase, certainly. So there you go. All right. I, I thought that was a, a interesting story. I, I like to believe that that's what happened. Okay, but sure. But you never know. It could have started in 1104. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So if you enjoyed the show... Please rank and review us. Uh, you can follow us on our socials. Our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books. And our Facebook is at we cook books. All right. 
So th- th- this joke, joke time, people. Okay. This, this, I actually composed this myself. So I hope you like it. Oh no! If not, I, I got no backup. Okay. So you know, we what? were talking earlier about this this restaurant reservation we got. Awamni. We're really excited. Uh, speaking of hot new restaurants, there's this new vegan one that I've been trying to score a reservation for. Um, the menu focuses primarily on fungus. It's a, it's a small restaurant, tiny space. You might say there isn't mushroom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got a genuine snort out of Victoria. Wow, that might be the best one yet. We we might want to just quit this whole. That's a good job, dude. Are you kidding me? Let's start your stand-up comedy career. Oh, I think Olive like got roused from. Sleeping. We should probably go take care of her. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, God, I thought you cut. Uh, Stay safe. Wear a mask. Stay hungry.